0: Um, I'm basically going to do a six month DTS course which stands for Discipleship Training School and it's basically just three months of like lectures and learning more about God and who I am in God and then the last three months is going to a different country Um, and I'm not sure where I'm going yet but um, we're basically going and applying what we've learned so we're doing like volunteering and and ministries and outreaches and stuff so that's what a DTS is Um, So, like, I guess some specific requests would be um, just that I'd be really open to, like, the new environment and I'd be able to settle well and just um, be open to anything that God has to teach me there and that, um, yeah, I'd just not have too much anxiety and I'd just be able to learn more about God on a deeper level.
1: Thank you, Lord, that you have... uh clearly spoken to david to do this course lord and you have put everything in place you have even raised the finances that she needed for this so we thank you lord for your faithfulness lord and we lift her up to you lord jesus and we pray that you would really guide her every step of the way it feels to us like she's going to the other side of the world (laughs) but it's your world and as much as you are here you are very much there We thank you, Father God, that you will show your faithfulness and your love and your power at work in our life, we pray, through this DTS. Let it be a a life-changing time, Lord Jesus, um, in many, many ways, Lord Jesus. And let it be remarkable for all the right reasons, we pray. Let it be um, a time of discovery as well and a time of... Um, consolidating what she already knows and experience more of you really much more of you than what she has ever experienced before as she goes it alone in a sense without the family Be be her family Lord you tell us in your word that you are our mother and our father you are everything to us so Lord I pray that she will sense your presence and your closeness to her for the whole time that she's there lord give her amazing experiences we pray in you and that may may you use her through you may she see many many others come to you especially during the outreach wherever they go lord help her to adapt quickly settle quickly there in hawaii as well everything that she needs lord even the smallest of prayers lord please answer them we pray for her faith to grow and confidence in who she is in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Dear Lord,
1: we thank you for the way that David has responded to you and uh, for this next step of her life, Lord, and I just pray that that this uh, time would just be uh, far beyond her expectations and that um, she would really connect with you in a deeper way, a way that she uh, has not yet previously done so. And, um, yeah, Lord, that she would just be blown away by um, who you are and and that as she learns more about you, God, that it would not just be head knowledge but that things would seep deep down into her heart, Lord. And um, we pray for uh, her future as well, that um, throughout this next six months that you would be speaking to her about what's after that as well and um, uh, giving her an excitement for the future and for uh, the things that you have in store for her. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you love David and the way that you are um, preparing uh, so many wonderful things for her in these next six months. In Jesus' name.
2: Lord,
0: well, Thank you for David. Thank you for courageous boldness. pray that you'll help her, and thank you for being with her. She goes uh, on to a new adventure. Thank you for blessing her. Thank you for anointing her. Thank you for helping her uh, ears to be open to hear what you're saying and her eyes to see what you are showing her. Thank you for your presence and your protection with her this exciting time. Amen. We want to say thank you for the gift that uh, it is for us. Thank you for having us during this time and then, yeah, know her and see now she starts started to, to fly alone to her alone journey with you. And we want to pray for your protection, for your blessing in everything, for friends and family, in the yeah, in the party she will be, and I want to pray as well for she can growing in yeah, in confident in you. She can growing during this time in faith. In when she will be feeling alone, or she will have situation difficult situation, she can. Yeah, see you as a father, as a friend, as a family with her. And she can see your miracle in provision, in everything. We want to bless her and send her because she is part of our family here. And we want to continue to pray for her, to support her because, yeah, this is yeah, our responsibility now and the bless her life and everybody around
3: her in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your anointing and then uh, the presence over David, Lord. And this is everything that she wants to know you and you want her to know you, you, who you are and who she is in you, Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for this uh, journey it is challenging but lord thank you for what ahead uh what is ahead lord father just let her yeah i know this uh will surprise her that yeah what you prepared when she found out when she find out lord lord jesus uh send your angel around her and protect her wherever she goes and father let her just also experience your provisions and revelations and guidance. And Father, just let her be able to stick with you and to experience your heartbeat, Father, very, very close way. I'm sending her in the name of Jesus, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I just echo this prayer, the first scripture that God has given you. When you're in mother's womb, when we thought we might lose you, miscarriage you. But God promised that. Fear now, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God I declare that this is your scripture for her and that I pray that she's not gonna live with any fear. In Jesus' name I pray.
0: Dear God, I just pray for David and I pray that um yeah when she goes to DTS um it be a time where she can um see herself as God and other people see her as a beautiful woman. Um and just pray that she'll be able to um learn a lot and that Know, it would be a life-changing experience that, um, yeah, that will go with her for the rest of her life, and I just pray that you'd um, give her confidence, um, yeah, that any um, of her assumptions about what um, detail's going to be like won't um, affect her experience. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: Heavenly Father, thank you that we've had the, the privilege of seeing it grow from that very young child to the, the woman that she is now, a woman to, reaching out for you, and father, I'd just like to remind her of Psalm sixty-two. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I'll never be shaken. And later in that psalm, in that psalm, father, I pray that when the difficult times do come, and the good times, she'll be able to remember, trust in him at all times O people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge, thank you Father Amen
2: Yeah, Father I just want to echo that prayer, we have seen David grow from this into the young beautiful lady she is now Um, Father we just thank you for the privilege that we've had of seeing her do that and being part of her Christian family as she does it, and Father we just send her off now Father, there's a verse in Isaiah, I think it's 40, but don't quote me, that says, uh, I will make smooth the paths before you. And Father, we pray that for David, that you will go before her and that, uh, yeah, you won't, you won't have her avoid difficulties that come along, Father, but you'll be in them with her and you will make smooth the path that is there. So we send her with our love and with our blessing and uh, ask that she keeps in touch so that we can know what's going on and that, uh, Father, it will be a really blessed time for her, and that we will see a much different young lady come back than goes out, But she will have grown in you, she will have grown in herself, and that she will know with more certainty than ever that you are the God who looked after her, protects her, and cares for her. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I wanted to... uh... Preach this morning on Ephesians chapter 3. And I'd like to read it to you first of all. It's such an amazing chapter of the Bible, certainly from my perspective and from Lynn's perspective. I'll tell you a little bit more about why in a minute or two. So, Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. For this reason, because I preach that you and believing Jews are joint heirs, I, Paul, I'm the prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was entrusted to me to share with you for your benefit. And that by divine revelation, the mystery was made known to me, as I have already written in brief. By referring to this when you read it, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which in other generations was not disclosed to mankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. It is this, that the Gentiles are now joint heirs with the Jews and members of the same body, the joint partakers, sharing in the same divine promise in Jesus Christ, through their faith in the good news of salvation. Of this gospel I was made a minister, "'By the grace, by the gift of God's grace, "'given me through the working of his power, "'to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, "'God's people, this grace, which is undeserved, "'was graciously given to proclaim to the Gentiles "'the good news of the incomprehensible riches of Christ, "'that spiritual wealth which no one can fully understand, "'and to make plain to everyone the plan of the mystery.'" regarding the uniting of believing Jews and Gentiles into one body, which until now was kept hidden through the ages in the mind of God who created all things. So now, through the Church, the multifaceted wisdom of God in all its countless aspects might now be made known, revealing the mystery to the angelic rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is in accordance with the terms of the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. That is, our faith gives us sufficient courage to freely and openly approach God through Christ. So I ask you not to lose heart at my sufferings on your behalf, for they are your glory and honour. For this reason, Grasping the greatness of this plan by which Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ, I bow my knees in reverence before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, God, the first and ultimate Father. May he grant you, out of the riches of his glory, to be strengthened and spiritually energised with power through his Spirit in your inner being, Indwelling dwelling your innermost being and personality so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love and that you may come to know practically through personal experience, the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives completely filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who is able to carry out his purposes and to do superabundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I have to confess that at the outset, when I thought of preparing this sermon, I knew that I wanted to preach on Ephesians 3.20, which is that last verse. Those of you that have known me for a while and Lynn for a while know that Ephesians 3.20 was a verse which was very much a part of Lynn and I taking what to us was a huge step of faith, with me giving up a well-paid, secure, they were in those days, job in the bank. I'd been there for 30-odd years, And my pension pot was building nicely, but would do so even more in the final 10 years that I would be there. Giving that up to take on a pastor's job in a small, independent church, where my much-reduced salary would depend on the generous weekly giving of a handful of loving and caring individuals, with no guarantee there would be enough there at the end of the month to pay me. It's never happened. There'd always been enough there. God's great. Ephesians 3.20 was a verse that came very early in the process, being brought by Christian friends that we were praying with, at the HSBC Christian Conference that we had organised that year, at the ELIM annual conference that was happening that year, and even at the church we attended in Scotland when we visited our friends there during the year. God was undoubtedly trying to reassure us that yes, He could do superabundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. And you know, one of the tests certainly I apply, and I know others do as well, as to whether we are hearing God's voice is that he repeats it. There are many instances in the Bible where when God is speaking to someone, he repeats it several times to reassure them that they're hearing it right. Well, over a two-year or so period as we were contemplating moving into full-time ministry, God repeated Ephesians 3.20 so many times on different occasions and in different places and through different people, some of whom we knew and others who knew nothing about us or the decision we were facing. To be totally honest with you, it reached the point where we were slightly disappointed if we went to a Christian conference or a different church and Ephesians 3.20 wasn't spoken about during the service. And it's true. God can do and will do super abundantly, etc. If it's in his will, and that is so important. If it's not in God's will, we might as well be blowing in the wind. It has to be God's will for us. As you perhaps know, Lynn and I received many other confirmations over quite a long period of time. And when God's timing was right, we took that step of faith. We pushed the door once or twice before then, and God firmly closed it. But when the time for God was right, we took that step of faith, and God has provided for our every need since we did. And we, in turn, have been tremendously blessed by you, the family that is NCF, as we have served you in God's strength over the years. We sometimes sit and think about the folks that we have seen go through this church over the last 25-30 years, and we've been blessed by so many of them, as we are now blessed by you. And for those of you who have been in NCF for a while, it might be a good exercise to just sit down and think of the people that you've known over the years. We've had so many people pass through as we've gone through our life together. That, as I said at the outset, was my intention and I suppose in a way I've just done that but not in the depth that I'd intended to. And what I want to do now is talk about the whole of Ephesians 3 which when Paul wrote it would have been seen very much as radical certainly to the Jewish community and also I suspect to some of the Jewish Christians as well. Why would that be? Because Paul is asserting here boldly That the Gentiles, which the Ephesians were, are on an equal footing before God with the Jews and sharing in the same inheritance through Christ. Let's read verse 6 again in the Amplified Version. It is this that the Gentiles are now joint heirs with the Jews and members of the same body and joint partakers sharing in the same divine promise in Christ Jesus through their faith in the good news of salvation. That would have been considered almost, if not certainly, total blasphemy by the Orthodox Jews who believed that they were the chosen people of God and and the only nation to have the right to an intimate relationship with God and the Messiah when he came. Many, sadly, are still waiting today in Israel For the promised Messiah to come. This assertion by Paul that the Gentiles were co heirs with the Jews to God's kingdom would have put him in danger of imprisonment or worse, but he made it anyway. Paul states in his introduction to this section his unshakable belief that God has chosen him to share the good news of salvation with the Gentiles and the Gentiles' equal rights with the Jews. To partake in it, you can reread verses 1 to 9, it tells you all about it there. Having established his credentials, Paul is desperate to share with the Ephesians and the Gentiles the fullness of what they have received by accepting Christ as their Savior and what that means in reality in their lives. Verses 14 through 21 are Paul's attempt to put into words who this God is that he serves, and the power and authority that he has not only in their lives, but throughout the world. There are many places in the Bible where they try to define who and what God is. And I've just noted a few of them here. They're all out of the Amplified Bible. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created and exist through him, that is, by his activity and for him. Deuteronomy 10:17 says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who does not show partiality, nor take a bribe. 2 Samuel 22, verses 32 to 34 says, For who is God beside the Lord? And who is a rock besides our God? God is my strong fortress. He sets the blameless in his way. He makes my feet like the doe's feet, firm and swift. He sets me secure and confident on my high places. And Psalm 33, 11 to 13 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts and plans of his heart through all generations. Blessed, fortunate, prosperous and favoured by God is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the sons of man. And perhaps the most well known of all. For God so greatly loved, and dearly prized the world, that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him and trusts in him as Saviour shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Sure, no need to tell you that's John 3 16 and 17. One scholar reckons that there are over 1,200 descriptions of who God is and his attributes throughout the Bible. It might be worth spending a little time looking some more at some more of them and to try and get a grasp on this awesome God of ours and the breadth of who he is. I say try because I've looked at a fair few more and with everyone. It seems to me that the author just runs out of words and superlatives to describe this God of ours. And my suspicion is that when we eventually meet him face to face, we will stand in wonder and perhaps think, now I know why there were never enough words to adequately describe you, Lord. Here in Ephesians, Paul tries his best to convey the enormity of God to the Ephesians and to us. But even the eloquently spoken Paul, author of so many New Testament books, struggles. Let's look at verse 14 and 15 for a moment or two. For this reason, grasping the greatness of this plan by which Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ, I bow my knees in reverence before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, God the First and Ultimate Father. Here Paul is trying to show us that God is the creator and author of all things and that everything and everyone, whether Jew or Gentile, that exists on God's earth owes its existence to God. Paul has to sink to his knees in recognition of the awesomeness of who God is. Again, there is that feeling that Paul wants to express so much more but doesn't have the words. I could go through it word by word. Paul has... So much to try and express. Well let's just have a look at verses 17b through 19. And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints the width and length and height and depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life, completely filled and flooded with God himself. I've deliberately used the amplified version throughout because to me it just emphasizes the frustration that Paul and indeed the authors of the Amplified Version have been trying to express the awesomeness of God. Paul uses every dimension he knows, width, length, height, depth, but there's a feeling, I think, that he'd like to use other dimensions as well, dimensions that only God knows about. His expression to all the fullness of God is, I suspect, a wish rather than a reality, because he knows, as we do, That this side of heaven, we will not have the capability of knowing or seeing all of the fullness of God. It would be too mind-blowing for us. And so we come back to that verse which has meant so much to Lynn and I over the years. In the good times and the bad. A verse to cling on to because it promises and certainly for us and I'm sure we're not unique, delivers so much. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. Let's have a closer look at some of those words. Him, God, the creator and author of all things, including our earth and the universe in which we are situated, which is so vast that we have no idea of its full extent. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is able. No ifs, buts or maybes. Paul, through his own personal experiences and we through ours, can acknowledge that the God he knows and we know is able, without a measure of doubt, to do and carry out his purpose. Not only is God able but he will carry out his purpose. Note, his purpose. As I said earlier, not our good ideas or things we want him to do, but his purpose. Superabundantly. That's a good word, isn't it? I think in the NIV it says immeasurably. You get the feeling that somebody is trying to grasp a word which covers the uncoverable. Has anybody else got another... Doesn't have to be long, but uh, they appear to be a long word which, which we might insert in that place. Not easy, is it? What? Unfathomable. Yeah? Incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. Not easy, is it? To try and wrap a word around what God is super abundantly. As I say, or any other word you want to put in to try and describe the enormity of God's capabilities. But what I will say is they will all fall short because we just haven't got the language to be able to put God into a box, if you like. He is so, so much bigger than anything we could say. More than a prelude to what comes next, meaning it doesn't matter what comes next, God can outdo it because he's God. But what does come next? It says, all we dare ask or think note the word dare we probably think that some things are beyond God's capabilities so we wouldn't dare ask for them we might think them but not put them into words a bit silly really because God knows our every thought so he'll know what we're thinking anyway but as the preceding two words tell us God can do more than all of the things that our minds can muster and how does he do all this? according to his power that is at work within us. God isn't some nebulous being that we reach out to in a time of need, in hope. God is a living, indwelling, loving, heavenly Father. He wants to pour out his grace and mercy upon each and every one of us in our daily lives and circumstances. Whatever they are, sometimes we can think that's what some of that, well, perhaps not here, but some people can think God's never going to be able to forgive me for having done that. Or God can never sort out that situation for us. It's not true. He cares for us, each and every one of us, in whatever circumstance we are, or whatever it may be that we have done that we find so dreadful. God is bigger and greater than all of that. And he can help us to sort it out. Was this passage just a one-off for the first century Christians? Many theologians, and I'm sure some of us, have asked that question. And God knew that we'd ask that question. So he uses Paul's writings here to make it abundantly clear that the answer is an emphatic no. Let's have a look at verse 21. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's for each and every one of us, both then, throughout all Christianity, today and forever. We, Lynn and I, can testify to the truth of God's provision in our own lives. I pray and trust, as you reflect on this passage, that you will be able to testify in the same way. We sometimes need a time of reflection on our lives to realise, as we sang in our first hymn,